You're listening to the Hanging with the AD podcast, where we break down hot topics in athletic administration and lessons learned through leadership. Now, here are your hosts, Josh Matthews and Don Baker. Today, we flip the script and interview a pair of fellow podcasters in Danielle LaPointe and Dr. Dustin Smith, who co-host the Paradox podcast. They search for the craziest AD stories out there, and through those stories, they are teaching practical lessons that are helping ADs across the country as we all navigate this world of leading in the space of interscholastic athletics. Let's settle in and get to know the paradox. All right, Dustin and Danielle, we're so glad to have you joining Don and me for this episode of Hanging with the AD. We're excited to have a couple fellow podcasters talk to us. So uh, thanks for joining us today. Uh, we look forward to maybe flipping the script on you both today, and uh, we're glad to have you. Uh, look forward to this episode. And I'm excited. This is a – I told Don a couple of weeks ago that I, I listen to you guys while I'm on my treadmill. So my treadmill and I have spent a lot of time with you guys. So I'm excited to be on this podcast and be able to share some stuff that, that maybe we do, just give you a side inside of us. And Danielle's really the brains of the operation. I'm just the talker. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for having us. I'm very excited to be here today. Yeah, this is going to be good. So for our listeners, Dustin Smith is a CMAA who serves as the Director of Athletic Operations and Student Activities at Greenwood Public Schools in Greenwood, Arkansas. And Danielle LaPointe is a former Athletic Director who now serves as Director of Client Success for Ticket Spicket. Together, they make up the Paradox podcast that airs weekly and shares the untold uh, mostly unique stories of athletic directors. It's a fun podcast to, li- to listen to. So, uh, you know, it's, it's great to have a couple fellow podcasters on here. And uh, we'll stop right there. Let these paradox tell us a little bit more about their self and what got them into athletics. So Dustin and Danielle, as y'all know, we like to start our show with what we call the back of the baseball card bio. Danielle, we'll start with you. Tell us a little bit about what got you into this world of athletics, maybe what the back of Danielle points baseball or softball card would look like. Well, um, it would be a baseball card. I played baseball all the way up through high school. Um, so there's that, but I don't know if I'm worthy of a baseball card anyway, but, um, I would say what kind of got me into, you know, being an athletic director, I became one, um, relatively young. I was 24 when I first became an athletic director and, I was coaching and teaching at a school and I just didn't feel like I had the extra support that I needed. Um, there was just a couple of things that I felt like if I had, I could do better. And as a coach, I could be better as a coach for my kids. So um, when that athletic director position kind of came available, I was like, well, I don't ever want to just complain. I want to, you know, be able to actually help. I want to put actions to what I'm, what I'm saying, the words that I'm saying. So um, I went for it and it wasn't really on like, you know, my career path. I thought I was going to be a teacher, a PE teacher and a coach for a long time. And that's not what happened. And I became um, an AD and absolutely fell in love with it. And I love being behind the scenes and helping kids and and coaches be better because I believe the more you help coaches, that's going to trickle down and the coaches are going to be able to help kids more. So there's a big effect that you can have and be creative and find ways to help kids through appeals or your unique situation of your school. So that's kind of how I fell into being an AD. And yeah, it's been a, it's been a great wild adventure uh, ever since then. That's pretty, pretty wild being AD at 24. 
<laughs> I can't imagine, but it uh, sounds like you did a great job with it there. All right, Dustin, what would the back of Dustin Smith's baseball card look like? And I, ha- I hate to admit this, but it would probably my, – my high school football coach would always say, I wish you guys had Dustin's mind and Dustin's heart, which was a kind way of saying he has no ability. Uh, he just <laughs> was somebody that, had, that could really think and really tried hard. Uh, that's probably what, what the back of my baseball card would say. has a lot of heart, but not much ability. And, and my goal growing up was to be a shortstop for the Chicago Cubs. I ran out of talent long before they they recognized me and identified me. Um, I went to the collegiate level and played baseball for a year, tore my shoulder up. And I always, my parents have told me that education is lifelong. And so I needed to fall back on something instead of just baseball. Because at some point I was going to have to pay to go to a baseball game instead of being paid to go. Um, so I was falling back on education. And I said, all right, if I'm not going to do that, I'm going to get in communications, want to be on ESPN one day. Um, and Greenwood, Arkansas is a long way from Bristol, Connecticut. So I never realized that dream, uh, but I chased the dream of being an athletic administrator, uh, volunteered for a long time. I was work, working at the collegiate level, volunteered at a lot of different avenues before I became, I, I got a job in athletic administration. That wasn't until I was 30. I wasn't as young as Danielle when I got my first AD job, but um, I got my AD job in the collegiate world and then have jumped into the high school world. I've uh, been in here seven years now at Greenwood doing the high school level stuff. Yeah, that's one of those situations. You know, I tell you what, that Dustin, he's a good boy. He he yeah. he's he he's a. I tell you, he he's he he's a good boy. I love him. Bless him. Bless him. Yeah, I, that's okay. The curveball forced me into an early retirement as well. So it's it's uh, it gets all of us now. Dustin, Danielle, let's jump in and begin talking about the podcast for just a second. First of all, where did the idea come from? Uh, maybe tell our listeners about the format who haven't checked it out yet. Dustin, maybe you can kick us off with the why behind it. And then Danielle, if you could follow up with maybe the, a little bit about the format. You know, it's really crazy because Danielle and I met via Zoom. She was presenting on um, and I, I sent her a message and said, hey, I want to talk about online ticketing. Uh, because we had had a bad experience for the two previous years that we had done online ticketing. I said, hey, I just want to talk to you. So we talked, her and my secretary and I got on a Zoom and we talked. And then about a month went by and she said, she called and said, hey, I got this idea. And I, I'm I'm afraid to ask this question, but would you want to be host a podcast with me? And you guys listen enough, you know, I'm not afraid to talk. I'm really fluent in vocabulary. Uh, and so I said, yeah, man, I, I'm all on board with that. I think that's a great idea. Um, and so she really pitched the idea to me. So if anybody hates it, blame Danielle. Um, she's basically <laughs> carrying this podcast, really. Uh, but she just said, hey, this is an idea just to have a conversation, just to tell the stories of, of ADs. And she asked me to be a part of it for some reason, and I jumped at that chance. So, Danielle, I, I don't know if you want to question why you did that at this point, some 30-something <laughs> episodes in. Uh, yeah. but. It's been a lot of fun, and Danielle can really tell you the why of, of why she wanted to create this format. Yeah, so I was an AD young, and I didn't feel like um, I didn't have this amazing support system. You're the only AD, you know, at your school, so you feel very alone. And sometimes you can, it's very competitive with your fellow ADs in the county and your district, really depending on how it's structured. So um, I had one AD who really looked out for me. Um, I owe a lot to him, Chuck Hitt. He's amazing. He's my mentor. And I tried to reach out and do the same things for other ADs. But sometimes, you know, you you, you just feel like you're in like one of those, um, that uh, that episode of like, it's punk. You're like, what is happening? 
this is actually happening. Do I actually have to deal with this? And does this happen to anybody else? Or am I the world's worst AD? Like that's kind of, you know, I had situations like that over and over again. And I just wanted to create some sort of space or an environment where um, people could hear that this happens to everybody. It doesn't make a difference. You know, what your background is, how long you've been there. This happens to everyone, how we react, you know, and how long we, it's, how long we've been in AD or our situations is different, but the whole basis was kind of like, you're not alone. This is happening to everybody. And then, you know, it was kind of just something that I didn't think was very talked about. These, these crazy things that ADs are dealing with almost on a daily basis. And we just didn't really talk about it. So I just, I want to talk about it and it's fun. I also don't think that, um, you know, sometimes our profession, you have to, you know, liability and cover yourself and make sure all the boxes are checked, but it, we all want to have fun, right? And these stories are funny, especially when they right. happened a long time ago or to somebody else, not necessarily That's right. yourself. Yeah. So I just wanted, we just wanted to have fun. And I thought um, Dustin would be a great fit. So we just kind of talked about it and yeah, we just kind of jumped in and went with it. And we tend to talk about, um, it's evolved into hearing a little bit more about the um, AD itself and, and, you know, what that person does outside of being an AD and geographically where they're located, because we're quickly learning, right? That 80s across the country have different situations based on where they're located across the country. And then we kind of dive right into those, those stories, which I think is a very strong um, professional development, which is why it's my favorite part is what do you got? How did you handle it? What would you do differently next time? Yeah, I think you bring up an excellent point. We at our leadership kickoff, uh, our chief leadership officer, she said something. She goes, if, when you're in a situation, you think this has never happened before. I don't know what to do. This has never ha- happened before. Well, first of all, it has. And someone has already lived to tell the tale, right? <laughs> and so you just have to find those people and you have to be open to reaching out and being vulnerable and finding those resources. And, and here's the deal. Is somebody going to unleash chickens on, on a basketball <laughs> court in the middle of the game from a, for, you know, from a hazmat suit? <laughs> Probably not, but because of your podcast, I was able to tell my ADs, the 16 that I serve, I've been able to tell them, listen, this could happen. So if kids walk in and they got a they got a hazmat <laughs> suit on and they're looking kind of shady, you may want to look into that. So, you know, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's, you're definitely not alone. I think it's a, that's an excellent point. Yeah. Now I did notice that Danielle did not answer Dustin's question about maybe her regrets of uh, starting this podcast, but <laughs> hey, we will not put you on the spot again. We don't ask our guests any of their regrets, so uh, we won't start today. Uh, so that's uh, that's good. No, you, no, no regrets though. No regrets. Dustin is right. a too great late, wingman. Oh, too sorry. late when he has to probe the answer out of you. It's too late. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. It's good. Great, great chemistry there. All right. You two have talked a lot about different scenarios. Don just mentioned one of them, uh, these different scenarios on your podcast. Most of them are not going to be found in an LTC course or in a college textbook, uh, but rather on the job. I think we would all agree that in order to really be effective at this job or this role that we play, you have to have a pretty well-stocked toolbox to pull from. No, Jake Von Schreer talks a lot about adding to the toolbox there. What would you classify as the most defining leadership behavior that athletic administrators need to make sure they have as they look to lead in this role? Uh, Danielle, what do you think? Well, that's a big question. Um, the ability to think on your feet, you know, to, to just kind of look at your surroundings and your situation and make the right choice for kids and your coaches and safety, kind of 
to have a big, I guess the overall big picture, you can't just focus on one thing, whether that's winning the game or making sure this happens or this happens, you kind of have to have a bigger picture and you have to be able to think very quickly on your feet. And I think that's the defining feature that I don't know if, if it's not talked about in an interview or if people don't necessarily understand how important it is. Cause it's not necessarily a skill you, you learn in school or in class, right? It's something that you either have or you don't. And I guess you can learn into that, but being able to just see a situation, know what needs to be done for the best of your program, your school, the kids, everybody. And then and be having the ability to do that, I would say is probably one of the, the best things that you could probably have as an AD. Yeah, that's interesting you say that because I've noticed I have a reaction, especially like in a big football game, when I'm standing there and, and, and supervising the game like we have to do as game managers or whatever, and either the principal or someone else wants to come up and talk about specifics. You know, we need to do this. We need to add this. And it's like, I don't want to have that conversation right now. I, I'm looking big. This is a big deal here today. I, I'm trying to manage a big picture event, right? And it's funny you say that because I think we get into that mode where we're trying to see the big picture and others, they want to get into the weeds and see specific things. So I, I, I do think that's a, a great trait to have that a lot of ADs have, when, especially when they're big events. So it's kind of neat you brought that out. I've never really given it that much thought because I have experienced like a principal walking up and saying, we need to do this right here. And I'm like, I don't care about that right now. I'm worried about getting this event over with, right? You know, so that's that's good. That's a good thought. Dustin, what about you? What's a, um, a leadership behavior ADs need to make sure they have? Well, I think I think it's twofold. I think, one, you've got to be flexible. Amen. You know, we, we, we can talk about the game of football, and Don, I know you coach that. And I look over your shoulder, Josh, and I see the word huddle. Sometimes in football, maybe not as much now as it used to be, but we'd huddle and kind of figure out, hey, this is what we're going to do. We'd have our discussion, <laughs> and then they'd get everybody on the same page. Well, we don't get that luxury as ADs. We don't get to huddle up and say, okay, here's our moment, because when the moment happens, we've got to just adjust. I went to a football game the other night, and we had a skunk under the bleachers. I didn't go to the football game expecting to have a deal with a skunk. Um, I don't have any wildlife training. I'm not any animal control expert, but I have to deal with that. That's what everybody's looking for at that time. So you've got to be able to be flexible and adjust to whatever's thrown at you. We don't get halftime. You know, most of our sports get a break at some point to regroup, recalibrate, and say, okay, here's what we're doing. So we've got to be flexible. We've got to adjust to whatever's thrown at us. And part of that, I believe, our huddle becomes the network that we build. And we've got to build a network that's strong with people that are going to, yeah, we're going to have it in our conference that you can call somebody and say, hey, what are you doing here? But the last two years, if we haven't learned anything from building a network in the last two years, then we've missed the boat because we've had to ask people across the country. Gary Stevens did his big um, project task force about COVID and the return to play and what that really looks like. And we had to bounce ideas off of other ADs and say, hey, what are you doing? Uh, Don, what are you doing in Atlanta that maybe will help me in, in Greenwood? And maybe we're different states, but we're still dealing with the same issue. So we've got to have the opportunity to be flexible, but also to have a network built that we can make a phone call. And that's what's great about this profession. We can pick up the, call, the phone and call, and we're going to share information. We're not hiding it. We're not trying to make our secret recipe better than anybody else's and not giving you all the details. Um, but we're able to, to fire out there and say, hey, this is what I'm doing because at the end of the day, we're all trying to do what's best for kids, whether that's kids in Greenwood, Arkansas, in Florida, or in Georgia. 
Yeah, that's good. I, I know you can also use that network to kind of make light or make fun of uh, colleagues. Uh, I think that happened a couple of weeks ago uh, at, at a home football game that one person on this call was on and two other people on this call were kind of making fun of a possible scenario that I was actually prepared for, by the way. Uh, but uh, I, I noticed you're, you're welcome. I, yeah, I heard, I heard I was kind of the uh, uh, the, the joke uh, or the potential joke there. So that, that's good. I, I like being talked about. I just got to ask if you had a shovel. I knew exactly where the shovel was because okay, I've had good. to use it before. So uh, that's right. Don, when Don saw the 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 um, the horse, you know, take care of himself, Don was on the headset in the press box. He didn't have to. But when the <laughs> Greyhound did it during – yeah, when the Greyhound did it during the game, I was the AD. I had to take care of it. So, yeah, I've been on the wrong end of that shovel before. Yeah, I was I was that guy. That, hey, you know what we ought to do? Hey, somebody somebody needs to take care of that. I, it was uh, I was at the top of the stadium. I, I was I, I could not do it. But you know, yeah, with uh, Josh, they their their mascot is the Greyhounds, and they have uh, uh, several Greyhounds that lead them out. And I took a picture of those said Greyhounds, and I, I sent it to Dustin just to say. Here we go again. Thing live mascots. Hope he knows where the shovel is. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, um, now Dustin, flipping through uh, your Twitter feed, it's obvious that you're a reader. Uh, we've restated uh, the Mark Miller quote on here many times. It says, "Not all readers are leaders, but leaders are readers." Uh, our friend Brian Dodd, a good friend of the show, he talks about the incredible value a person has access to through a ten dollar book purchase. Uh, talk about what got you into reading. Maybe the value that you've gained as a leader through reading consistently? You know, I used to, I've got ADD. So me sitting still is difficult and I've got to be able to have something that grabs my attention. My wife is so frustrated because I, she says I read too fast. You can't even enjoy those books because you read so fast. You just get over, you get them and I keep my notes and, and it's stuff that, that helps me. She calls me her book nerd. She'll walk out of the bedroom and I'll be in my chair reading. And she's like, there you go again, just, just doing your reading. But I found value in surrounding myself with smart people. And the best way I can do that is $10 at a time. I can buy a book and surround myself with somebody who's much smarter than I am. And I can learn from them. I can be basically at their lap learning from their insight, their knowledge. And that's been beneficial for me. So I try to read two chapters a morning. Every morning I get up, I try to read two chapters of whatever book that is. And it's for personal growth. I go back to what my parents told me. Education is lifelong. I've gotten a doctorate. I've gotten the CMAA. I've, I'm a mentor in the, the NIAAAU cohort. So I continue to do professional development because I think it's important. But I think we throw professional in there and forget that it's profession. It's personal development. It's for me to grow as an individual. And so that's why I read so consistently because, one, I don't know it all. But, two, there's a lot smarter people out there in this world, and I get to spend time with them $10 at a time. Yeah, I think that's great. That's one of the things that Brian Dodd told us, I think, the first time we talked to him was how much would it cost you to hire uh, Coach K to be a consultant for you, right? I mean, you're, we're talking thousands of dollars that nobody has, but you can go to the bookstore and for $10 in the discount aisle, find a book of his, and then and then you, you're, ha like you just said, you're essentially learning from him, having a conversation with him by doing that. Now, what's the maybe the best book you've finished recently, or maybe one that you'd recommend for people listening today? Um, I really like, I'm a big Kyle Alden fan and he's he's down there in the Atlanta area, I believe. But anyway, he, him and Mark Batterson are two of my favorite Christian authors that I like to read. 
Um, but I've read a couple books about the All Blacks, um, which yep. is the New Zealand uh, rugby team. Uh, and there's there's one um, that's called the Jersey that's a little more historical look at what the All Blacks are. And so I, I've enjoyed I've enjoyed the look at the All Blacks because I think that's a leadership model that we can get behind the sweep the sheds mantra that they have that nobody job is too big or too small for anyone. So except for maybe Don with a shovel, Josh can handle that. Maybe Don doesn't do that. Uh, maybe that job is a little too small for him. Um, but I like I like that concept behind what the All Blacks are about. And I've studied them because I think that's imperative for a leader to look at successful leaders, successful programs, and learn from what they're doing. So if I had to talk about it, one of them books is called The Jersey, um, which is about the All Blacks. That's the historical view. And the other one, I, I, the, the title right is me right now, right? Legacy, that's what it is, 13, <laughs> yeah. 13 points. Um, but that's a great book, um, and it's 13 leadership points throughout there that you can apply to you as a leader today. Yeah, we're actually using that as our uh, coach's book study this year. So it's sitting right here on my desk. Um, I thought it was fantastic. I agree with you. A couple words in there. I wasn't thrilled about having to share with our coaches, but uh, right. I thought I thought it was fantastic. I love the sweep the sheds. We're focusing on picking up our trash and kind of making our programs do that this year. We had some programs that did it and some that didn't, but it's like we, we're going to invest a little bit more. And if we you don't have to invest money to invest. And I thought I agree with you. I, I, I'm going to pick up the jersey now look look into the all blacks a little bit more but the legacy book was great it's a long book it's a long read uh but it's very historical it talks about the very beginning of how that came about and what how they became really a small country that became really dominant in the world of rugby and it it's really neat to see that progression and how they did that and the historical players that were part of that um, and just how valuable they were so that's that's a great book to read just to see historical perspective yeah that's neat that's good well, if you uh, if you're listening and you want to other book recommendations, just go to Dustin Smith's Twitter site and Twitter <laughs> Twitter feed and scroll down. You'll see about a book a month there, or maybe maybe more often that he's posting there. So, all right, Danielle. One thing we've talked about uh, a lot this season on uh, our podcast has been Title IX and athletics. It's an obvious topic with this being the 50th anniversary of Title IX in sports. And I think we would be remiss if we didn't get your thoughts on this landmark legislation that we celebrate this year. I think it's worth noting you were the first female AD at Manatee High School when you were named that position in 2015. Uh, but I do know that Jim Brooks talks about one day maybe we will not say she is the first female to do blank. She, it will just be she's the AD at wherever, whatever school. So what are your reflections on um, on Title IX during this golden anniversary celebration? So I can definitely see progress from when, even when I was in high school, into, um, you know, kind of what I was able to offer my student athletes at my schools. You know, I didn't have things like there wasn't girls weightlifting. There wasn't certain things like that were, that were offered. And I, and I graduated Dustin, no comments, in 2001 from high school. So I wasn't that long ago. It wasn't like, you know, 50 years ago, like this anniversary. So I, sometimes that kind of upsets me when I think about it, that I didn't even have some of those same opportunities um, because we were supposed to be progressive then. Right. So, and to see now that I look back on it, I'm like, actually, I didn't really have all these options that these girls do now in high school. And I'm so thankful that these girls do, but I do think there's some more work that needs to be done. Both high schools that I was at, they both were large 2,400 
um, student high schools. And I was the first female AD at both of them. So I actually don't know what it's like to not be, I guess. Um, now, Liberty, the first school that I worked at, um, was young. It was only, I started working there as a teacher when it opened. So um, that was, you know, the different scenario than Manatee, which is one of the oldest high schools in the state of Florida and has deep tradition that I just, you know, needed to enhance, not necessarily um, do anything, which needed to continue to follow it. So two completely different scenarios. The reaction to a female AD is something that I wish and still needs to continue to get better. And it's a sad truth when I have a male, this is just an example of what I would say uh, females go through sometimes. And it may not be a, a second thought, but at the end of the day, it's kind of heartbreaking a little bit, but I had a uh, male trainer. Both of us would be standing on the sidelines during a football game and talking to it, if so, talking to each other. And if somebody didn't know us, if it was the other school or somebody didn't know who we were and they walked up to us a hundred percent of the time, he was the AD and I was the trainer. So there's things like that happening every day. Um, oh, there are little comments, you know, emails, Mr. Danielle. No, <laughs> you just typed my name out. Like, come on, you can do better yeah, right. than that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so um, there's tiny little things that it affect. Um, I don't, and I hope that by the time, um, you know, the next generation goes through college and comes out, some of that stuff goes away because it's not, especially if you're already having a bad day, that doesn't make your day better and it doesn't need to happen. Right. With that being said, I also think we've made great strides. So it's kind of a two-toned effect there. Yeah. It sounds like you, you believe, and, and I would agree with this and it's kind of encouraging. We have made more strides in the last 20 years than we did in the first 30 years of this Title IX legislation. Probably a lot of that's gotten to do with um, just uh, uh, the different generation of athletic leadership coming through. But that that's encouraging, I think, especially to, uh, like Don talks a lot about that, a lot, uh, um, his daughter going into sports and stuff like that gives um, our female population a lot more encouragement and excitement, maybe getting into this profession. But, you know, Jen Cohen, I mentioned this before, Jen Cohen, who's the director of athletics at University of Washington, I read an article where she experienced that walking into the room in the Pac-12 or the collegiate space of there's different reactions to her being a female AD. And quite frankly, a lot of times being the only female in the room there and the different reactions she got. So I think that is real for sure. Uh, Dustin, we don't get the male AD perspective on Title IX a lot. Uh, you know, we're guilty of that. We, we typically ask our female guests. But um, – so since we have you on here, and it's kind of a, a, a partnership there, anything you want to uh, add there about the male AD perspective on Title IX? Well, I think I think we highlight the females, and we need to. Uh, right. But I don't think we do a good job in our profession of including them uh, and trying to enhance what we're doing. Uh, I think we're, we're trying to make some efforts, and we're doing stuff with DEI and with Title IX, and those are important. Those are important things for us to do, but it doesn't need to just be lip service. We need to actually have implementation of these situations for our for our females that are in the room. And so when they're in the room, we don't need to exclude them. We don't need to have them sit by themselves. We don't need to get the old good old boy network where we're all hanging out together and not visiting with the female because the perspective that they bring to the table is vastly different than what I bring to the table. And it's very important for our profession that we embrace that instead of stiff arm that and try to keep that 
at bay. So I think we've got to do a better job as men in in the profession of embracing and accepting that instead of stiff farming that and trying to keep it at a distance. I think that's a great point. I know when when I first uh, got a, a local high school AD job and I went to the first district AD meeting and I went in the room, it was already clicked out, right? There were already groups of guys that had been ADs for a long time and they were kind of sitting in certain and the 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 one female AD in the room was by herself and she said come over here and sit over here and she ended up being pivotal to me developing as an athletic leader because she kind of saw that I was sitting there and I didn't really know what to do either I was kind of on an island didn't know where to go and she was the first one to welcome me in changed the whole the whole game and so again that's that's probably sad at one on one hand that she's over there by herself but just showing the benefit of collaboration again uh, now Dustin in Scott Jarvis's book the DNA of an AD you talk about being authentic as a leader and that the requirement of being real and transparent is real and that's what our people want from us but I think that there are a lot of leaders that struggle with this because of the fear of maybe what people are going to say about them or think about them I had a friend tell me one time uh, you can't hate someone if you know their story right? Uh, so why are so many afraid to share their own experiences when leading and why should they? Well, people are, are scared to be vulnerable. They don't want to let people know that they mess up um, and that they have some skeletons in the closet. There are, there are some things that they don't want to talk about. Um, even myself, I don't want to talk about some things that I've done poorly. Um, we're, we're, in a, we're in a world that society pushes greatness. You got to be this, you got to be a five-star, you've got to have this many um, college offers by you get by the time you're this age or you're not you're not very good uh, and so we we live our life in comparison and I think comparison is the thief of joy we can't really celebrate life if we're comparing ourselves to somebody else uh, and I think we've got it wrong and and Don you and I talked about Willie Spears' book Bib or an apron if we're not serving other people we're doing it wrong and I think for us in our profession, we've got to pour into other people instead of trying to get people to give us accolades and give us applause. And if we're worried about the applause from everybody else, guess what? We're going to be let down because not everybody wins the game. There's a team that loses every time you play. And so you can't go through life thinking everything's great, everything's rainbows and unicorns. It's all beautiful when, when it's not. Life is messy. And for us to be real the end of the day, kids haven't changed. Yes, they have more distractions. Yes, they have more options, but they still want to be appreciated. They still want to be valued. And that's humans as a whole, not just kids. Um, and so the reality is kids can detect fake pretty easy. And so we've got to be real. We've got to be our authentic selves. And those of us who do that, um, and I say us like I'm doing it right now, there are times I'm not very good at that. But when we do that, that is the best possible growth that we can have. When we're vulnerable, we admit that we have something that we're not, that maybe everybody else is going to look at and say, oh, that's awesome. When we when we admit that and we are able to be vulnerable, I think that's when the greatest growth happens. Yeah, I saw a quote recently said, what am I afraid would happen if I shared my experience right now with this person? And I think that if we ask ourselves that, when we, we have that pause, a lot of the times what you're afraid of, first of all, it's you're making it about yourself and not about anything else. Uh, and most of the time, the stuff that you're afraid of isn't going to matter in the end. It's actually probably going to make the whole situation better because they see you as a person, not as a title. You know, you, you're a human as well. And I think that that's something we've got to be conscious of. 
Well, we can't put on a persona and think that we've got it all together. Um, I, I go back to when I defended my dissertation. I thought, okay, I've done this. I'm going to be Dr. Smith, and this is a great thing. And I got home that afternoon, and my daughter called me dad. It wasn't Dr. Dad. Um, it was just that you're the same person in her eyes. And so that's a humility moment for me to understand that, hey, I, I don't have it all together. I'm still going to be dad, and my daughter's still going to call me dad. I'm still Dustin, and that's a lot of people will still call me Dustin. I'm fine with that because I'm Dustin and I was Dustin long before I was Dr. Smith. I was still Dustin and I've got to be authentic and be real to who I am. And at the end of the day, that's who I am. The title really doesn't matter uh, if I don't invest in people and I don't care. Yeah, Dustin, I think you uh, make a good point about humility moments. Never heard it said that way, but I think we need to really pull those out uh, each and every time we have an opportunity to keep us, uh, you know, focused on what's important to keep us grounded. Uh, we had a situation here just recently. We had a special ed student who was given uh, something to bring to me and he was told, take it to coach Matthews. And he came in and he, uh, my assistant who's out front, Kim, it really needed to go to her, but he was told, take it to coach Matthews. And um, she said, here, can I have these? And he just kept on walking. And he walked straight to me and he said, are you Coach Matthews? And I said, yes. And he handed them to me. He did not hand them to her. And that was kind of a humility moment for her, I guess. But it kind of she and I talked about it after that. It was like, you know, that, you know, anytime you have a chance to really be humbled in a, in a good way, it's good. But uh, it was kind of funny watching that happen. Uh, uh, that, uh, going, that, that, that joker was given a job. He was given a job, right? <laughs> they really told him to take it to the wrong person because she's the one that was going to put it where it needed to go and, and handle it. Obviously, she does all the work around here, not me. But uh, uh, those humility moments, that, that's a great point there. And I think it's something as leaders, not just athletic administrators, but as leaders, we need to be cognizant of and really cherish those times, even if even if they do knock us down a notch or two. That's good. So. I read a quote yesterday yeah. that said, um, humility is what leaders need, but it's it's when when leaders figure out that the power doesn't come from them, it comes through them. And I think that's when humility truly happens. So uh, Fred Smith said that, not the Fred Smith in Michigan that's an AD at, at our level, uh, but I read that in a book from, from a guy named Fred Smith, and I thought it was really valuable that we realize that the power doesn't come from us, it comes through us. And that, that's when humility happens. That's good. Really good. Uh, so, Danielle, you are now in a, a little different leadership position, but thinking about leadership and being in a leadership position, it can create this sense of being invincible. And we kind of just talked about that with humility, but we need ways to check ourselves. And, you know, a lot of times those checks can come with others and, and talking to others and letting them help us improve ourselves and see things that we're not aware of. As you interact with athletic leaders now in a different role, what qualities are lacking among today's leaders? What are some blind spots that you see that we may need to take a closer look at? Oh man, so you're right in the fact that I, I get a different viewpoint of 80s now. Um, so I was an 80 myself for 12 years. And um, I started using digital ticketing for four years prior to the pandemic. I used it as like a luxury for my fans. They want always wanted to be like a step ahead. And what do we do that other schools don't do? 
Um, so I started offering digital ticketing and, um, it wasn't until COVID where I went full in, you know, my county went cashless overnight. We were forced into it. You know, all those ADs who made fun of me for doing something extra for my fans, all of a sudden are scrambling to get digital ticketing and I was set. So, but I became good at using it and I saw how it made me a better AD overnight. I, I believe that something as simple as digital ticketing made my me a better AD overnight. It gave me more time. It gave me more accountability. It gave me so much data that I could use to make informed decisions. So when I took, um, you know, the role at Ticket Spigot as the director of client success, it really enabled me to speak to ADs across the country and really opened my eyes into every situation is so different. We say that, like we say, we know everyone's situation is different, but it really is. Whether it's your state, whether it's your geographical location, whether it's the principal you're working for, or the students you're serving, or just your county policies and your district policies or your state policies, it's so different. So I think one thing that I would like to say to any ED who is listening and is to think outside the box. I feel like um, when I talk to ED, we've always done it this way. Our fans won't like it, or we've always done it this way, or, or why would I change it now if I've been doing it this way for 10 years? And I think that that's not a good line to say ever, to be honest. I think that we should grow, um, constantly grow in our professions and ourselves, like Dustin said. And I just believe, um, thing that, like, this is what, this is the goal I need to accomplish. Okay. Whether that's with digital ticketing or eligibility purposes or, or a facility, it doesn't make a difference what area you're talking about. This is what I need to accomplish. These are the resources I do have. How do I make that happen? Instead of, oh, I can't do it because I don't have this. I think it's too easy to kind of quit sometimes. I think creative thinking is something everybody in public education needs to be very good with, with the limited resources that we do have. So I would say um, definitely don't put yourself inside this tiny little box that was created from 80s, 50 years ago. We need to, to be better every day and we need to use our brains to figure out how we can get stuff done because things are possible. Whether I was at my Title I school where I had a ton of funding, I was able to do things that helped kids because I didn't just sit there and be like, well, this was always done, so I'm just going to do it. I didn't take the easy route. Yeah, that, my, my predecessor in this position, he said that the last words of civilization, we've always done it that way. That's the beginning of the end in, in, in a lot of ways. And it definitely, definitely post-pandemic is, is very true. It's funny Don said that. I was thinking the same thing. He and I have that ingrained on our mind because Steve used to say that to us all the time. But Danielle, I think you make a good point tying back to Dustin's point earlier about networking. The only way you can think outside the box is, number one, get outside of your box. Or as I say, at the walls of our community, uh, you're only going to learn. If, if For me, I'm only going to learn what Pope knows if I stay here. But if I go to national conference, state conference, get involved with uh, different organizations, talk to mentors and, and such as that, then I can learn different perspectives. And uh, that's a good challenge. And then when you go to those things, like Dustin said, you network and, and get so, get people's phone numbers or emails and can reach out to them and say, how do y'all do it? Because I think we need to do it a little differently here. So y'all, a uh, good team, good teamwork there on those answers. Dustin, anything you want to add to what Danielle said? You know, I, I no. I mean, she she's the brains that we can. I don't want to try to muddy that water. I mean, she she hit it right on the head. I think there's a lot of things, and and I'm guilty that I look at it from the box, especially from digital ticketing. And she points that out every time we talk. Um, <laughs> that I have, we've been burned, and so I'm just kind of stayed in my protective box. But sometimes you need to get outside of that. I don't say sometimes. 
you need to get outside of that. Um, you said it's the last word of civilization. I've always heard that in the church. It's the last, it's the seven worst words <clears throat> in the church. We've, not, we've never done it that way before. Well, and I think you can kind of follow that up with, it's okay to, I don't want to say fail but, or make a mistake. If you try something new and it doesn't work, okay, right. change, take what worked or change it a little bit and, and tweak it. But it's okay to be like, we tried this, it didn't work, we're not doing that again. Or we tried this, this is great. Or maybe we'll implement this little part to it. So I, I don't think everything has to be perfect all of the time. I think that that's how you're going to improve, right? You try something new and then you assess it. You don't just implement it and it's done. You assess it. Is What parts of this can we reuse? What parts do we need to make better? Maybe what parts were amazing? So I think that that admitting that you're just trying something new is also um, kind of attached to that as well. And I think to your point, it's not that you have to, let's say, let's say you try something that does fail, right? In the end, it doesn't work. It doesn't mean that the whole thing needs to be scrapped, right? There may be elements of it that you go, I, I mean, the whole thing didn't work, but this made a lot of sense. And and this, or, or this saved us a lot of time or whatever, you know, it's like when we came out of the pandemic, we learned other ways to do things and we learned better ways to do things. There may be better elements just because something fails doesn't mean you just chuck the whole thing, right? Yeah, I think I've learned a new way and I found myself guilty. I shared this with Don a little bit. We, we've got a new principal this year and trying to get him up to speed on just some way things are done at Pope, just to give him an idea. I have caught myself saying, historically, we have done it. We have done this. I'm like, I just said the same exact words in a different phrase. And, uh, you know, and I, I really think I've been trying to do it from an inform- informative standpoint, but I cringe every time I hear myself say that because I'm like, I'm saying those seven words that, in a different phrase and, and uh, I'm not opening ourselves up for growth here. So uh, we, we have to be careful. I, I love that. Be better every day. Think outside the box. So, Hey, Dustin, Danielle, thank you all for joining us today and sharing your wisdom and experience uh, from a couple paradoxes there. And uh, we appreciate y'all being with us. We appreciate your podcast. Uh, like like you, uh, Danielle said earlier, it is a great professional development with a lot of humor and a lot of uh, extraordinary and unique situations. But there's always a takeaway. Uh, from each one of those uh, scenarios. So uh, that that's what we're always looking for to get better. So thanks for making us better through your podcast, but also thanks for joining us today. And as y'all know, we're going to finish with a little two-minute drill. Uh, we'll get to know you a little bit better, maybe have a little fun here. Uh, so Don's going to start us off with our two-minute drill. Okay, Dustin, Danielle, we're going to hit you with some rapid-fire questions. We want you to tell us the first thing that comes to your mind, Okay. Okay. What was the first job you ever had ever? Dustin, you go first. I was a doughboy at Pizza Hut. Of course you were. Fantastic. <laughs> uh, Danielle? Camp counselor. Go. All right, Danielle, stand with you. What's your favorite movie? Mm. Oh, that's a hard one. Hangover. Who <laughs> doesn't have a good time when you're watching Hangover? <laughs> Might have expected that out of Dustin. Dustin, what's your favorite movie? My favorite movie is Tombstone. Okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna, I'm gonna second that wholeheartedly. <laughs> favorite favorite part of the whole movie? They're taking uh, they're taking Wyatt's brother out of town, and Curly Bill's leaning up on that post, and they stop in front of him, and they think there's gonna be this moment, and old Curly Bill just goes, "Well, bye." Yeah. <laughs> oh man, that's so good. Okay. Unfortunately, I can quote that whole movie. 
Oh, I can't too. That, that's one of the movies that if it is on, I don't care what I'm doing. I will stop, sit down, and annoy everyone in my home as I literally just play out the whole thing. So, Danielle, I think we can go on mute, and uh, we'll be back in two hours. Oh, that is that is so good. Okay, moving, move, squirrel. Moving on. Um, okay, so Dustin, you're up first on this one. What is your favorite fast food go to? Uh, I mean, who's wrong in saying Chick-fil-A? Amen. Uh, Danielle? Um, I'd say Tropical Smoothie. Oh, nice. Yeah. A little different curveball there. All right, Danielle, staying with you. What is one thing that can instantly make your day better? Maybe a smoothie. <laughs> one thing that can instantly make my day better. Why is this a hard question? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, uh, you know, exercising, it never fails to put me in a phenomenal mood. So if I can get my exercising in there, whether that's paddleboarding or run or whatever, I feel like doing that day, that is, that is an instant day better. That's good. So, so there's a little insight and because y'all are fellow podcasters, we'll share it. You know, we, we each have our role in scripting this. Don always scripts a two minute drill and you're going to see a theme in the questions he asks versus the questions I get to ask. Uh, I don't change them very much, uh, but I just accept the challenge. Dustin, what's one thing that can make your day better? Uh, well, a good book is always good for me, uh, but the, that's the nerd part of me. Uh, but but I also say a smile, it's contagious. Somebody gives you a smile and it, it changes your day instantly and changes your moment and your mood. Good deal. All right, so let's transition into a game of over-under, right? So these are things that you feel are either overrated or underrated. And then if you want to tell us why, you can. All right, so Dustin, you're going to be up first here. So over, under, the Flintstones. Underrated. Agreed. Danielle, underrated. Mm-hmm. All right, Dustin, spas for dogs. <laughs> Very overrated. You say that like you uh, have experience with that. So. Yeah. <laughs> Danielle will tell you she knows this. I'm I'm I call myself fiscally responsible. Uh, my wife calls me cheap. Um, I keep saying my my son will always say they're dogs. Okay, they're supposed to be outside. They're supposed to be. I mean, but taking them to a spa is just a waste of money in my in my viewpoint. So they're extremely overrated. Okay, you sounded like you had a little more uh, to add to that. Danielle, spas for dogs over under. You know, if I answer this from my perspective and my dog perspective, I think that they're going to be different answers. So my dog perspective would definitely say that they are, uh, they're under, they're underrated, right? They need to be, they need to be a thing and they need to be better. But I think they're good for long-term stays. He doesn't get to go, you know, just to the doggy spot for a day. But if I have to, you know, travel, he can stay there. Look at Danielle, just really out of the box, it, putting herself in the mind of her dog. That's that is that's that's great. Okay. That doesn't say anything about our podcast, man. Oh wow, that, that is that's really good. Um, all right, so Danielle, you're up first on this one. Over under landlines. Over. Dustin. They need to just go. No more. No more cords. They have expired their time. Amen. All right, last one. Danielle, I'll let you go first on this one. 80s hair bands. I was born in the 80s. This isn't fair. Let Dustin go first. Dustin, 80s hair bands. Uh, I, I don't know. You don't really relate right now. So, uh, 
Not, not with hair, no, but I, I think they are extremely underrated. Uh, most of the quality music came from the 80s, and I can appreciate that a whole lot more now that I'm older. Maybe not so much then, um, and I did have hair back then. That was before I met my wife and Willie Spears both. Uh, but I would say <laughs> the hair bands in the 80s are way underrated. You said they're much more appreciated. Do you appreciate the music and the hair or just the music? Well, probably more envy of the hair okay. um, and really appreciate the music. Although the the words of some of those songs, I don't know how my mom let me listen to some of that stuff, um, but there may be worse than what we listen to today. <laughs> Yeah, I will. Uh, I'll tell you, I had to make a, a playlist to use in stadiums, and it was one of the most challenging four days of my entire life. Uh, as you would listen to a song and then read every lyric in it, you know, you know, you'd get like three quarters of the way through and go, nope, nope, this one's out, you know. So, uh, and it was stuff from from the '80s, from the '90s that you didn't, you were just kind of singing along, didn't know right. what it didn't know what it was. So anyway, uh, Danielle, uh, what is uh, what's something that takes up too much of your time? Emails. Why does it take so long to write emails? <laughs> <laughs> Dustin? Uh, here's my perspective. And I know this is more than one word, but um, we all have the same 24 hours a day. What we do with it is up to us. And for me, what takes up most of my time is worry about things that really don't matter, um, that don't affect what's going to happen tomorrow, uh, don't affect what's going to happen in the next hour. I just put too much invested in that, um, and that wastes too much of my time. Some people say that will preach right there that's good yeah i agree with you all right dustin staying with you who do you text the most outside your immediate family um probably jason color in uh jinx oklahoma he's the ad at jinx uh so i'd say i'd say jason color what about you daniel it might be dustin and i don't really want to say that out loud but it might be because you can't figure out the digital ticketing, you're having to help him out. <laughs> Dustin doesn't do well with the time zone. I have to help him. That's a lie. A lie don't care who tells it. That'll preach too, Josh. A lie don't care who tells it. Danielle struggles with time zones. It's not true. Okay, so so kind of flip, kind of off of that question. All right, so Danielle, you're first. What celebrity do you wish you could have a normal text exchange with? Celebrity. Hmm. You know, it's kind of an old school one, but I grew up loving Jim Kelly. I'm originally from New York, and I just think he has a very unique perspective on life. He's a professional player, but he also gives back to the community, and he's a well-rounded, likable persona. So picking his brain would be something I would be very interested in. All right, Dustin. Barry Sanders. He was my idol growing up. I grew up an hour and a half from Oklahoma State, so I was a big fan of Barry Sanders when he was in his heyday. So I'd love to spend some time texting him. I don't know how much he texts, but I think that'd be cool to be able to have that conversation with him. Cool deal. So uh, now, Danielle, uh, this is a a question we've asked all our guests this season. So if we're coming to your house for dinner, what's on the menu? Salmon burgers. Wow, Mm -hmm. we went right right to that. It's delicious. Dustin? Uh, it depends on who's cooking. If my wife's cooking, it'll be chicken enchiladas and homemade salsa. Um, if it's me, I'm going to do pulled pork um, and and uh, potato salad. Had to make, wow. I may have to make a trip to Arkansas and Florida. We're coming <laughs> to Florida next year, so may have to. Well, you guys are welcome. There's nothing better than a sandburger on the grill by the pool. Mm. 
Sounds delicious. That's right. Yep. All right. Today, uh, Dustin Smith, Daniel LaPointe, you've been hanging with the AD. And we always finish with uh, this trademark question of ours. Uh, if you, you've been hanging with the AD, but let's say you could hang out with anyone, who would that be and why? Dustin, let's let you go first. Well, um, my spiritual side would say Jesus. Uh, I just like to hang out with, I mean, incredible leader, incredible um, <laughs> wisdom that you could gain from him. Uh, but if it wasn't Jesus, it'd probably be John Wooden. Hmm. That's good. How about you, Danielle? Finish this up. Who would you hang out with? So I thought I knew this question was coming. So I've thought about this question and I. Uh, Dustin, that's what you meant to say, <laughs> Dustin. <laughs> I'm so fortunate to do that every day. But. <laughs> um, but yeah, I kept coming back to the same people over and over again, regardless of how I thought about this question, but it would be my grandparents. All four of them have passed, and I would love to have another conversation with them. Look at that. Knowing the question was coming, doing her homework, solid answer. <laughs> That's awesome. Dustin and Danielle, thank you for sitting down with us today. We appreciate what you're doing with your podcast because it's helping ADs learn the stuff that only doing the job is going to teach them. Uh, So thanks for hanging out with us today. Thank you for having us. Now that was a lot of fun, wasn't it? Tell you what, that's a great team. Dustin Smith from Arkansas, Danielle LaPointe from Florida, the Paradox. I tell you what, I I just uh, really enjoyed listening to their podcast. And it was great to have them on to learn lessons from uh, their experiences and to gain wisdom. And you could tell there was a lot of it, a lot of experience between these two athletic directors, not just in the year served, but in their experiences there that they have seen while serving as an athletic administrator. You know, I love what Dustin talked about leading the heart and mind, being flexible, networking. And then you add in what Danielle said, a great trait that we need to be able to think on our feet. And uh, that probably is no more evident than the stories that you hear in their podcast. I would encourage everyone to go up and uh, subscribe to Paradox. It's a great podcast. Gets you some laughs, but it also gets you uh, to to be thinking on your feet as you lead and and supervise events. Because they've uh, definitely been presented with some very unique and extraordinary uh, situations, we'll call them. But, uh, you know, I, I think we should end this podcast with what Dustin said multiple times that his parents taught him. And I think it's a lesson for all of us. Education is lifelong. And obviously, if you're listening to this podcast, hopefully you're not listening to hear the voice of Don and me, but you are listening to learn. And uh, there's no doubt there were nuggets in here to learn today from Danielle and Dustin So, Dustin, thanks for just uh, summing up what everyone listening is trying to do, and that is to become more educated and that education is lifelong. Great way to finish that up. Now, if you don't mind, we always ask that you rate or review our podcast. Uh, If you want to shoot us a quote or text or something that uh, resonates with you, we would love that. Uh, If you want to email us, uh, definitely reach out through email. Our stuff's there in our podcast uh, website. We would love to hear from you. But most of all, just thanks for listening. We appreciate you. Uh, Every time we see a different uh, listener pop up, uh, uh, you know, there's a couple hundred, 300 of you or so listening. We appreciate you because uh, we, uh, you're just giving us confirmation uh, in what we are doing. So thanks for listening. And as always, thank you for spending your time 
Hanging with the AD. You're listening to the Hanging with the AD podcast, where we break down hot topics in athletic administration and lessons learned through leadership. And now, here are your hosts, Josh Matthews and Don Baker. 